0: Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Oh, it's great to see you. I want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church. Welcome to our online campus. Happy Thanksgiving week. Can you believe that Thanksgiving is Thursday? There's like 36 days until Christmas. Not to put any undue pressure on you today, like you didn't have enough pressure when you walked in here, but Christmas is right around the corner. But whatever you're doing this Thanksgiving, whether you're spending time with family, with with friends, maybe you're going to do something uh, alone, I hope that it's absolutely the best Thanksgiving ever. Uh, But I'm so thankful that you're here today to spend a little bit of time with us before the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, We're continuing today in a series we've been in called Core Values. And if you're just joining us, what we've been doing is we've been talking about these values, these core values that we need to have in our lives in order to be the best people that we can possibly be. And if you were with us the first week, we established that, you know, it doesn't matter where you're at on the faith journey, right? Maybe you're following Christ, maybe you haven't made that decision yet. These things will help in your life. Now, obviously, for the Christ follower, They're going to be more helpful because we're on track with where God wants us to be. Uh, But so each week, we've been taking one and and talking about it. And this is for self-reflection, all right? It's not to walk out of here feeling bad, but, hey, this is an area maybe in my life that I need to improve or I need to change, or this is an area of my life that, that I've already got going well, and I'm going to spend my time on something else. Now, Thursday being Thanksgiving, I could give you three guesses today as to what we're going to talk about. I could say the first two don't count and you would still get it right, right? We're talking about gratitude because we're entering the season of Thanksgiving. But I want, what I want you to keep in mind, it's not just about being grateful this week. It's not just about being grateful on Thursday. This is a core value that I believe the Lord wants us to have. And today, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture, a couple passages of Scripture. But the first one we're going to look at, we're going to see an example of gratitude, and we're going to see an example of no gratitude, a lack of gratitude. And if you're joining us for the first time, uh, first, let me just say thanks for tuning in or thanks for being here. You can scan the QR code on the side screen if you want to follow along with our notes. If you regularly attend Blue Ridge, I encourage you to download the church center app, but here... It's the first passage I want to look at, and it's found in Luke chapter 17, and we're going to start in verse 11 and go through verse 19. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus's feet, thanking him for what he had done. The man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned To give glory to God, except this foreigner. And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go, your faith has healed you. Now, for a little bit of context leprosy was one of the most painful diseases that you could have. Leprosy would affect a person's nerve endings, so it caused excruciating pain. So the physical pain of being a leper was almost unbearable. But what I want you to see, it wasn't just the physical pain that the person would have. Can you imagine what the emotional pain was, right? Because if you had leprosy and you were anywhere near people, you had to shout unclean everywhere you went. If you went into town, you had to shout unclean. If anybody got close to you, you had to shout unclean. So, So what did that mean? that meant you know, no handshakes, right? no high fives, no fist bumps, no hugs from other people, no intimacy with another human being whatsoever because you had this dreaded disease. So not only did it take a physical toll on the person, but it would take an emotional toll as well. So we read in this story that these 10 guys figure out, and of course the rumors had been circulating. And they weren't really rumors. They were accurate, but that Jesus was performing miracles. Jesus had this supernatural power, and they asked Jesus for help. And what did Jesus do? He healed them. He healed all 10 of them. Their greatest desire was answered. Their physical pain of leprosy was gone, but better yet, the emotional pain was gone as well. But we read in this story only one of them thanks Jesus. Only one of them had a heart of gratitude. And you know, the, the Lord's thinking, wait a minute, you were in pain, you were miserable, you're having physical pain, emotional pain, I healed you, yet nine of you did not give glory to God for what you received. Only one thanked God for his blessings and the gratitude, uh, you know, that he had received or the glory he had received from God and the gratitude he should have. Now think about that for a minute. One out of ten. And I want you just to think about your day-to-day life. And again, this is just for reflection. Are we like the nine? Or are we like the one? Especially coming into this season of thankfulness, coming into Thanksgiving, are we willing to have a heart of gratitude like this one and praise God and give God glory and honor everywhere that he deserves? In other words, will we stop and pause for just a minute to thank God for the blessings in our life, to thank him for his son, to thank him for his son's sacrifice, to thank him for his love or his grace, or or just any one of the blessings he's given us, are we willing to stop and do that? And listen, we shouldn't just be thankful for The fact that God saved us, absolutely, that's the most important thing that we're thankful for. But what about the people he places in our lives, right? This week, you're going to have the opportunity, a lot of you anyway, to be around other people, right? You're going to be around the in-laws, the outlaws, you know, there's crazy relatives that, you know, you're, you're kind of a little hesitant to see. Again, you have the opportunity to be thankful for them. Just thank somebody this week. Hey, I'm thankful you're in my life. I'm thankful you're my husband. I'm thankful you're my wife. I'm thankful you're my kid. I'm thankful that God brought us together. But I think a great question we have to ask is, am I going to be like the nine? Or am I like the nine? Do I, you know, very infrequently stop and count my blessings? Or am I going to be like the one? Because Jesus called out the ungratefulness of these nine in this story. So gratitude is important to the Lord. And he pointed out the gratitude the one had who gave glory to God. So again, it's a core value that I believe the Lord wants us to have. And maybe today, you know, you're at home or you're here and you'd say, hey, I I get it. I'm ungrateful a lot of times. I'm ungrateful in a lot of different ways in my life. And listen, if that is you, uh, first of all, you're not alone. You're just willing to admit it, that, yeah, I have periods of ungratefulness in my life, so we're going to discover how we can deal with it. Now, the other story I want to look at is a familiar story to some of you. It's, it's from my favorite chapter in the Bible, uh, Luke chapter 15, but it's the story of the prodigal son, and a lot of times when we look at the, the prodigal son, we only focus on the younger son, but this gentleman in the story had two sons. And when you look at these two kids that this father has, there's ungratefulness in both of them, all right? And that's what we're going to look at, is their ungrateful mindset in both of these kids that I think often is the same mindset I get and probably the same mindset that, that you get in life. But here it is, Luke chapter 15, 11 through 12, this is how it starts out. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Let's just stop right there. Do you see the ungratefulness in the younger son? And his ungratefulness is, I want it now. I don't want to wait. I'm impatient. I want my inheritance now. Now, if you understand anything at least in our culture, about an inheritance. If you were ever to get an inheritance, can you imagine how grateful your heart would be and thankful your heart would be? But do you know when you get that inheritance? You get it when the person is gone, right? You don't get it when they're still living. Very few, if any, people ever receive an inheritance while the person is still living. So we can kind of see the audacity of this kid asking his father for his inheritance now. You know, I I don't want to wait. I want it now. I'm impatient. You know, maybe he didn't want to live under his dad's roof. Maybe he wanted to follow his own rules. You know, whatever, he's ungrateful because he has this, this mentality. And for whatever reason, the father honors his request, And if you know the story in the scripture, he takes his inheritance and he moves off to another land and he it. you know, wine, women, and song, whatever. He just blows every single bit of what his father gave him, which probably took his father decades to make and to earn and to save and to scratch and to claw. And we don't know the exact time period, but it's pretty short because he returns home and, and everybody recognizes him, so it's not like he's aged a, a bunch, but he blows it all. Truth is, we live in that generation today. We live in an I want it now culture today. We're impatient, and when we want it now and we can't wait, that can be an attitude of ungratefulness. Think about it this way, Chick-fil-A. You go, and they're not open today, so that's just going to make you crave it any, even more. But Chick-fil-A, you go to the drive-thru in Chick-fil-A, and it takes longer than you thought it should take. I'm guilty of that, all right? Let's say that you were thinking you're going to be in and out in three minutes in that drive-thru, and it took six minutes. All of a sudden, now you're mad. You're angry. Why? Because you want it now. You want to get on with whatever you're doing. But, but think about this for a minute. People inside that brick structure have done all the shopping to prepare your food. They've done all the preparation necessary to cook your food, and they're going to do all the cooking. They're going to put it in a bag. They're going to bring it to your car where you're sitting down, and they're going to hand it to you, and it's going to be fresh, and it's going to be hot and it's going to be good. You didn't have to do anything at all. They did all the work. Yet, because the drive-through took longer than you thought or I thought, we get upset because we have this I want it now mentality. Look at the up-and-coming generations. Now, before you start pointing the finger at young people, every single one of us have been in the up-and-coming generation, or we're currently in the up-and-coming generation. So this applies to all of us, but the up-and-coming generation always wants to live like mom and dad. I want a house like mom and dad. I want a car like mom and dad. I want to go on vacations like mom and dad. I want to be able to go in the store or order something online anytime I want like mom and dad. We think that way when we're 25. Right when we're 25 and in the up-and-coming generation, we want to live like mom and dad. Even though it took years and decades for mom and dad to scratch and claw and to save, to get to where they are, we want to live like them now because we want it now. I can be at home and I can be watching a game on television in my internet buffers and I miss like 6.5 seconds of the game and I get upset. I should be thankful that the game is on this screen where I can actually watch it in the comfort of my home. Listen, when I was a kid, if if it wasn't the Redskins and you wanted to watch any other game, it wasn't even an option. If you want to watch a tech basketball game or football game, forget it. You had to go to this device called a radio. Crazy, I know. And, And this frequency called AM, and you had to listen to it right? Learning number one, ungratefulness is an I want it now attitude. So that's the first one that we see in this story. Another attitude of ungratefulness that we see is in the older brother in this story. And if you know the story, the younger brother, you know, after he's wasted all his money, he's feeding pigs and he's eating the pods that the the pigs are eating and he's starving to death And the younger brother comes to his senses and he's like, wait a minute, my dad's got servants that are living better than I am. I'm going to go home and I'm going to apologize and I'm going to ask God or or ask my dad to hire me as a a servant. He realized he's been ungrateful. He realized he's been selfish and he's been wasteful and he's dishonored his dad. So he's going to go home and apologize and ask for forgiveness. And the dad who is a picture of our heavenly Father is you know looking out you know in the distance and he sees his son coming home and he turns to one of his servants he says hey you know get a ring get a robe we're gonna put it on my son you know go kill the cow get the brisket smoking you know because we're gonna have a big old honking party for this son of mine because he was lost and now he's found he was dead now he's alive. And he throws a party for this younger son coming home. And this flies all over the older brother to no end. And he won't even go into the party, the older brother. So the dad comes out to talk to him, and and he's like, you know, Dad, I haven't left home. I've kept all your rules. I've been obedient. I've been the good kid, right? Right? I haven't done anything wrong, and you never once threw me a party. You owe me, Dad. I've been better than your younger son. You need to recognize my goodness and faithfulness. In other words, I'm entitled. Dad, you owe me this. And here's how the story plays out. Luke 15, 29. And this is the older brother talking. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you, and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. So learning number two, ungratefulness is an I deserve this attitude. And we can hear ourselves saying this all the time, I deserve a better car, I deserve a better apartment, I deserve a promotion, I deserve more money. If you don't think we live in a culture that has an I deserve this attitude, wait till your kid's smartphone gets out of date and they come out with the iPhone 47 or 48, whatever iteration they're on, because your kid's going to come and say, I deserve this, mom. I deserve this, dad. I deserve this, grandpa. The older brother, the younger brother, the nine healed of leprosy, us, us. Often, we're ungrateful. So I want to look at just a couple ways that you and I can be ungrateful. And just be aware of these as we go into Thanksgiving. And learning number three, we can have ungratefulness when it comes to possessions. When we say things like, well, my phone's not good enough, my car's not good enough, I don't have the right cabinets or or countertops in my house, I don't live in the right uh, apartment complex, You know, all those things can be signs of ungratefulness for the material blessings that God's given us. And society doesn't help. We're constantly bombarded with ads on what we don't have and what we must have. You ever complained about your car? Yeah. Like, it doesn't operate the way a brand new car does. Like, I don't have remote start. I have to actually go outside and put a key in the ignition and start it turn the defroster on, and then go back inside. It's crazy. Or your car doesn't have an onboard car charger, and you got to use a phone cord and plug it into your phone to charge it, right? Or heated seats. I think that would be the dream, especially when your rear end stays cold all winter. You know, that would just be awesome to have. you ever done that? Sure you have. Or you ever, you know, been looking for a sweatshirt? in your closet, and you have to thumb through like eight hoodies, and then you come to the realization, I don't have anything to wear, right? We can all be ungrateful. We don't have to listen too closely, and we can hear ourselves say, I wish I had more of this. I wish I had more of that. I wish I had better vacations. I wish I could take a vacation. We have a tendency to be ungrateful with our possessions. Here's another Another one, learning number four, we can have ungratefulness when it comes to relationships. We can be ungrateful for our spouse. I wish my husband made more money. I wish my wife was more like this. I wish my kids would do more of that. We can be ungrateful towards our friends. I wish my friend and I had more in common. I wish they would do this more often. We can even be ungrateful for the relationships that somebody else has that we don't have. And again, like every week in this series, this is just for self-reflection, but I bet every single one of us can point to an area of our life where we've been ungrateful, ungrateful towards something. So what can we do about it? How do we get this core value of gratefulness or gratitude in our life? And I think uh, the best thing anytime we come to the realization That God has blessed us in some way, shape, or form. It could be small. It could be huge. We just stop and give Him thanks. Just take five seconds and pause. You don't have to stop and pray and bow your head. You know, God, thank you for this. Thank you for this person. Thank you for this vehicle. Thank you for this meal. May not be the meal you want, but you got a meal. So anytime we see a blessing, we just stop for a second and thank God. See, the solution to having a grateful heart, to having the core value of gratitude, it's always been the same. Count the blessings you have and learn to be happy with what you have. Paul said it like this in Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Philippians 4, through 13, not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Paul says, I learned contentment. I learned how to be content with a little. I learned how to be content with a lot. So gratitude stemming from our contentment can be learned. It, it, it is, we can't say, well, I don't have gratitude. We can learn, the Scripture says, to be grateful, and we learn that through being content. I love Ecclesiastes 6.9. It says, enjoy what you have. Rather than desiring what you don't have, just dreaming about nice things is meaningless, like chasing the wind. Will that not lead to gratitude, being happy and content with what we have? In other words, learning number five, the blessings I already have are better than craving what I don't have. Next time I'm unhappy with my car, I'm going to remember that 95% of the world doesn't even have a car. 95% of the world's population doesn't even have a car, and what a luxury it is. Next time I'm unhappy with my house, I'm going to remember I got running water in my house. I got a roof over my head. I got heat. Next time I'm unhappy with my job, I'm going to remember that most of the world will love to have a job so they could buy food to eat. Next time I'm unhappy with my friends i'm going to delete them all off social media no i'm going to be grateful for the friends that i have and again today's not about putting you you or me on a guilt trip before we enter into thanksgivingness but it's to point out that our ungratefulness does exist and it's to prepare us for this week but to prepare us for every day for the rest of our lives to be grateful Thanksgiving's a great time when society slows down just a little bit and we have enough time to pause and to think about the blessings that God's already given us. And obviously, the most important blessing God has given us is His Son, right? It's Christ. He sent His Son to this earth to stand in our place for our sinfulness. Jesus went to the cross and died for us because of our sin. That's where all of our gratitude should start, in the fact that Christ came for me. Christ came for you, and he gives us new life, right? He gives us eternal life. He gives us forgiveness. He gives us a purpose for living today. So what I want to do is I want to pray to close this out of the talk and then I want us to all celebrate communion together as a church family, as we remember what we're the most grateful for in the fact that Christ gave his life so that we could be free. So if you'll pray with me, and then we'll celebrate communion. God, we, uh, first of all, we just praise you for who you are. Lord, the many blessings that you give us, it's unbelievable especially in our culture, how blessed we are. Forgive us when we're ungrateful. Forgive us when we're like the nine people healed of leprosy and we just go on about our day and we forget the blessings that you've given us, the small things, the big things in our life. Help us to develop this core value of gratitude, to stop long enough to thank you for what you've done. And God, most importantly, I thank you that you love us, that you've never stopped loving us. And because you love us, you sent your son, Jesus, to this earth for all of us. And Jesus, we are thankful, and we're going to celebrate and remember what you did for us today. We're thankful that you came and stood in our place. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to give our online campus, an opportunity. If you want to run to the kitchen, get some chips, crackers, bread, whatever you have, uh, juice, water, as we come together as a church family and celebrate communion. If you're seated in the right seat of any section, I'd ask you to look under your seat. There's a bucket of communion supplies. If you're here in the auditorium and, and get those, grab one of those and pass them down your row. And when you get this, If you're in the auditorium, the only thing you want to open right now is just try to get that cellophane off of the wafer, all right? Uh, If you need a gluten-free wafer, would you hold your hand up and hold it up high and just keep it up? There's some over here. Uh, One of our members of our assistance team will bring you one. Just keep that hand up. But what is, what is communion? It's a time when we come together as followers of Christ to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made, to be grateful and thankful that Jesus came because he sets us free, right? When we're forgiven, what does that mean? It means, first of all, we are going to live forever with Christ. That means we don't have to fear physical death, which we all have to go through because we have eternal life. But he also walks with us every single day of our life and guides us every single day of our life. So communion is a chance for us to remember that, his sacrifice. The bread represents his body that was broken for us, sacrificed for us, and the cup represents, the juice represents his blood that was shed for our sins. You know, the scripture says there's no forgiveness of sin if there's no shedding of blood, and Jesus was the final sacrifice. All we have to do is invite him into our life and we're forgiven. The Apostle Paul reminds us too that we should kind of, you know, examine our heart or or cleanse our heart before we take communion. And what does that mean? It means simply if there's stuff you've been hanging on to that you need to give to God, you need to give it to Him. Or if there's things that the Lord's called you to do, maybe something in this series and you haven't done it yet, you need to commit to, hey, God, I'm going to do this. I know you call me to be generous. I know you call me to be loving. I know you... to call me to, to serve others, whatever it is. It's just a great time to reflect and ask God to, hey, show me what I need to, need to work on, need to fix. So let's pray together and then we'll celebrate communion together. Let's pray. God, uh, we, we do thank, thank you and are so incredibly grateful that you loved us so much you sent your son to die for us. Jesus, that you came to this earth and went through what you did for each of us. Lord, I know there's things in my life that I haven't dealt with or I keep holding on to thinking I can fix myself. Maybe you're sitting at home today as we're praying or you're here in the auditorium. Just ask God to expose what's in your heart. Lord, just show me, what is it that I need to fix? What is the conversation I need to have? What is it I need to fully turn over to you and stop worrying about? Just ask him to show you. And when he shows you, why don't you turn it over to him? Or if it's an action step, just commit, God, I'm gonna do this. Once and for all, I'm gonna do what you've called me to do. Jesus, we're grateful for your sacrifice for us. And today... As a body of believers, we remember that as we celebrate communion. We love you and we praise you. Amen. Matthew chapter 26, verses 26 through 28, says, Jesus took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, this is... Take this and eat it. This is my body. You can take the bread. If you're in the auditorium, you can open the cup and if online campus you can grab uh, your juice or water. The Scripture says, he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Take the cup. Amen. You know, communion is one of the two ordinances that Jesus left us with. The other ordinance is baptism. And on Sunday, December the 3rd, we're going to have Celebration Sunday here at the church. All three services, we're going to celebrate baptism and we're going to celebrate communion. and or Communion, uh, child dedication. And so a question I often get is, you know... Do I need to be baptized again? I was baptized as an infant. Let's say you're baptized as an infant. Someone in faith had you baptized, right? Why? Because they wanted you to eventually grow up and know who Christ is. So I always tell people, hey, you know, the examples in the Scripture where people were baptized, it was after they made the decision to invite Christ into their life and to make Christ Lord and Savior. Of their life. So if you haven't been baptized after you made that decision, I encourage you uh, to take that step. We got a brand new baptismal. I cannot wait to see it in use. It holds like so much more water. You're going to get so much more wet. It's going <laughs> to be awesome. Uh, and the person who's baptizing you, guess what? They get to get wet too. They don't get to stand on the outside anymore. But if that's a, a right step for you, we would be honored to be a part of that With you, And then child dedication is when mom and dad or the grandparents come and say, you know what, we're going to raise this child or these children in a Christ-centered home. Why do they do that? Same as that infant baptism that maybe your parents did for you or your grandparents did for you. Their hope and their prayer and their pleading with God is that one day that child will grow up and invite Christ into their life. The church also commits, hey, we're going to help you as a parent. We're gonna teach them about Christ and the love of Christ every single Sunday they're here and we're gonna give you the resources and whatever support you need to help you raise those children. So if you want to sign up for baptism, any of the three services or child dedication, you can do that at the hub on your way out or you can put it on the connection card on that church center app or that QR code. Tonight, if you are in high school, if you're a high school student, The high schoolers are having Friendsgiving tonight from 7 to 9 here at the church. It's a catered meal. It's going to be awesome, but it's going to be a great time of fellowship and fun for our high schoolers. So if you are a high schooler, you have a high schooler in your home, make sure they come out tonight and enjoy that together. So we're going to end today with our last baptism and child dedication video when we did it inside. And... Uh, After that video has played, you are free to go next Sunday. If you're in town, uh, join us because we're going to talk about another core value and we're going to talk about loyalty. But let's watch this together, and I hope you have a great Thanksgiving.